What is up, Victory Hamilton Mill? How's 11 a.m. doing today? Y'all good? It's good to see you guys. Man, well, Christmas break is almost here. If you're, in the par- if you're a parent in the room, come on, can I hear you real quick? You ain't going to be making that noise after Friday, so ready or not, here come the kids. <laughs> No, we're praying you guys are going to have a a wonderful Christmas. And hey, I just got to give a big shout out to Mill Creek. They won the state championship. Come on, Mill Creek. Awesome, awesome. Love it. Love what God's doing all over the place. And so uh, again, you know, we're not going to adore the Christmas break. And so we just pray that you guys have a wonderful break as you travel. Uh, if you're here, whatever else, let's just have fun. Let's, let's cherish some memories. Let's slow down. Somebody say slow down. slow down and just enjoy this Christmas season. Amen. Well, listen, if you have your Bible and I ask you to turn to John chapter 21, that'll be our main text for today. We'll go there in just a few moments. But uh, just to give a few things real quick with the festive season, we got a lot of cool things going on this week. Somebody say this week. So if you're a young adult, Christmas party Tuesday night, be there or be square. Hello. Uh, All right, high schoolers, this Wednesday night, they're having a Christmas service slash party. Any high schoolers in the room, you need to be there on Wednesday night. And then next Sunday, our middle schoolers who are having service right now, they're going to have a service and a party. Come on, somebody say party. It's a party time for sure, and so we just want to let everybody know about all these things going on. And then also this Wednesday, I'm really excited about it, this Wednesday at our uh, Wednesday night prayer, we're going to be taking communion for the last time this year. So I want to encourage you, you want to come on out, bring the family. A lot of people do. It's one hour. It's fast. Man, it moves so fast. We'll worship and pray together and take communion as we go into the end of this year, which I can't believe. That's why we all, when we heard Ben say two weeks of Christmas, we're like, what? It's crazy. Well, listen, we're going to do something a little different today, and we're in this series called Anchored. Somebody say Anchored. And each message has been so good, and I just got to say, if you didn't see last week's message, you need to go watch it. I sent it to several pastor friends, several spiritual sons and daughters around the nation. I would say this about last week's message, every Christ follower needs to see that message. It was so, so good. This this has been a very timely series, a very prophetic series. As God is, we've been encouraged to anchor ourselves to Jesus and the things of God when we're going through the storms of life or when the storms of life hit, hit us. And we got to stand. Somebody say stand. Stand firm. The way we stand firm is being anchored to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And the grace and the hope and the, the prayer is that we will endure to the end. Now, let me just say this to kind of set this up. The last five messages have been about how you and I individually anchor ourselves. Today's going to be a little bit different. Today's message is about how we anchor together. Somebody say together. So here's what I want to ask you to do, because we're a lot of people in this room. I want you to grab, get somebody real quick, link arms with somebody just for a second. Link arms with somebody if you can. Look at that person say, you look good today. Somebody need to hear that. Listen, we, I want to say this, as you got linked arms and we pray, we are stronger together, we are greater together, we are better together, we need each other. Tell that person, I need you in my life. Come on, we are stronger together. And if you're taking notes today, you can let go unless you don't want to. <laughs> Honey, boo-boo might not want you to let go. 
If you're taking notes today, (laughs) uh, we're talking about being anchored in community. Anchored in community. And all my introverts just did an eye roll. But I want to encourage you to really lean in because I believe God wants to say something to us. And no, this is not a big small group push, though we are a church of small groups. This is about all of us doing life together and being the family he's called us to be. Amen? Holy Spirit, we welcome you now to come a little closer and to speak to us in these few moments as we dive into your word. And God, would you illuminate to us about the power of community? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Matthew 24 has been our main foundational passage of scripture. Don't turn there. We're going to park in John 21. But I want to, just a couple verses from Matthew 24. Please go read the whole chapter. It is a prophetic answer from Jesus to his disciples not only about their future, but about our future. He talks about the disciples' future, what will happen to them, but also the church's future and the end of the world. So go read the whole chapter. But these two verses really stuck out to me today. They're verses 12 and 13. It says, sin will be rampant everywhere. We're talking about the last days. And the love of many will grow cold. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many, somebody say many, will grow cold. I don't know about you, but I'm like, not me, Jesus. Come on, not me. I'm not going to grow cold. But let's look at this. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Another translation says the increase of evil. Or another translation says, because lawlessness, lawlessness excuse me, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Well, not about you, but we're seeing some lawlessness going on. What is, who is Jesus talking about? And, and I mean, I got a lot of questions that go off about this, the love of many. And, and how do their hearts grow cold? Well, let's get everybody on the same plane just for a moment here. Jesus is not saying this about people who don't know him. He's talking about those who do know him. He's talking about those who love him, who have experienced his love, and who have experienced the things of God in their life. But because of the condition of the world in those last days, which I believe we are walking through the front door of the last days, the Bible says that many hearts who love God will grow cold. Many hearts who love God will grow cold. And I just want to say this as your brother, as your friend, and as your pastor. God, don't let our hearts grow cold in the last days. My challenge to all of us in this room, don't let your heart grow cold. What is going to happen? We know in the last days it's going to be dark, difficult times. It's going to be overwhelming. And church, that's why we got to be a people, that we are so anchored to Jesus. And some of the things we talked about, you know, his word, the fear of God, gratitude, what this series has been about. This is a series of preparation of who we must be now and in the future. But it's also why we've got to be desperately anchored to each other in community. We need each other. I need you, you need me. We need each other. 
And if you and I want to stand through the storm, come on, and be standing on the other side of the storm, we got to be anchored in community. Amen? we got to be anchored in biblical community. You know, there's something about community, people, that keeps the fire burning for the Lord. One, one wood or one coal, one ember, you take it away from the fire, that's going to get cold in seconds, in minutes. But you put that piece of wood, that person, along with the community, and that fire begins to burn and grow. It, is, it lights back up. I've even seen, I remember my grandfather, when he'd pull like a little coal out and it'd be there for a while, it looked like the coal was dead and then he'd bring it back to the fire and because of the other coals that were on fire, that coal would light up again. You see where I'm going. Don't let your love grow cold. We need each other now and we will need each other in the end. That fire burning. I want to invite one of my brothers to come up here and join me real quick. We're talking about community. And we're going to look at a little fire chat in the Bible of, of John chapter 21. Get up here, Aaron. Taking your time, sweet time. Get up here. This could be anybody, but it happens to be my brother, Aaron. And, and we want to look at this story together. And I want to give you just a visual, what I believe will be a powerful visual to remember about the power of community. Somebody say Community. Look down at John, look at John 21, verse 9, and I want to just, right before we dive in, let me just give you the setting, okay? Jesus just resurrected from the grave, and he's appeared to his disciples twice. Now, Peter and some of the disciples, because they don't know what in the world to do, like, okay, Jesus is back, but what do we do? Where do we go? And so they just like, we're going to do what we know to do. We're going to go fishing. Any, any fishermen in the room? Hello. All right, just a few of you. All right, good. I'm right there with you. I'm not a fisherman at all. Uh, any fishermen that actually catch fish, all right? I just have all these memories of going with my dad fishing, and we never caught anything. Well, that was exactly what happened here. These professional fishermen didn't catch a thing all night, and they don't know that it's Jesus, but Jesus shows up for the third time. And the reason they don't know it, they're about 100 yards out on the water, and Jesus calls out to them and says, hey, you caught anything? And I can hear this moan, no. And he tells them to throw their nets on the right side and they catch a supernatural catch. Tons and tons of fish, nets almost breaking. And at that moment, John turns to uh, Peter and he says, hey, Peter, it's the Lord. And the Bible tells us that Peter, he ain't even waiting to get to the shore. He jumps in the water and swims to the shore with the others following. And when Peter comes up to the shore and the disciples Jesus got a fish fry going on. Come on, Jesus was a fish and chips guy. He was kind of a Captain D's man, Long John Silver. Come on, we're going there. Somebody's like, no. Let's look at it together. John 21, look at verse 9. It says, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Now, if it had been me, I'd have had some cheese grits some scrambled eggs, some first watch million dollar bacon. <laughs> All right, a little coffee, but this was the time they were in and so it was fish. I bet they were sick of fish. And it says, don't skip down because of time to verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. Now look at this. We all know this story, but let's look and we'll see what the Holy Spirit shows. He asked Simon Peter, Simon, you can tell like he pulled him aside. 
They were there, but somehow they're having this intimate conversation. Do you love me more than these? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you, you know I love you. Then Jesus responds, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And like any of us, Peter was hurt. I don't think Peter knew what was happening there, but this was Peter's restoration. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. He's like, you know everything, Jesus. Why are you asking me this? He says, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. There's so much going on in these few verses that I just read to you. But what I love is how Jesus tenderly takes time in the conversation with intentionality to get Peter's attention. Come on, you know the story. Peter betrayed Jesus and Jesus is taking time. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So Peter, listen to me, church. Peter is not only being restored in this moment, but Jesus is communicating that love for him is directly connected with people. Did you hear me, church? If you love Jesus, you can't help but love a brother. You can't help but love a sister. You can't help but love people. I had someone recently tell me, Aaron, uh, and they were being honest, so I appreciate their honesty. They're like, yeah, life is good. I just don't like people very much. And I was like, well, okay, all right. Father in heaven's heaven. You. you know, like, <laughs> but he was struggling, but I appreciate his honesty, you know. But here's the deal. You can't help loving people if you're loving God with all your heart. Jesus said this. This is the way God made it. He made it. Loving God equates loving people. Loving people equates loving God. But Jesus said it in red. You know it, but I'm going to read it over you. Listen to it. He says this in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, right here on the screen. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Other translations say in all your strength. And then verse 38, this is the first and the greatest commandment. But church, it doesn't stop there. Look at this. And I highlight these words so we can see how important this is. A second is equally important. Somebody say equally. So it's parallel. Loving God, loving people. What is the, what is the equal important second commandment? To love your neighbor as yourself. Let me, let me summarize what, what Jesus, let's go back to the conversation, what Jesus was saying to Peter. Jesus saying, if you love me, love them. If you, if you love me, be with them. Do life with them. Fellowship with them. Share your life with them. If you love me, do life with them. Who is them? Well, I want you to look at somebody real quick around, right next to you, and say, you is them. You is them, Aaron. You is them. And yes, that was really bad grammar. I'm sorry, English teacher. I want to show you a verse that we all know, but you probably never th- looked at it this way before. One verse, John 13, 35 says this. Your love, somebody say my love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay, yeah, I get it, Chris. What does it mean? Notice it didn't say your love for Jesus will prove. 
That's what people think. Well, I love Jesus, so I will tell people that I'm a disciple. No, no, no. Your love actually for a brother, your love for people, your love for strangers, your love for the people that you see in your everyday traffic patterns, that will prove to the world that you're a follower of Christ. <laughs> Loving people. Listen, I want you to see this. I'm a visual person. That's why we're doing this today. If I'm loving God with all that's in me, I can't help but love Aaron. You put yourself there. You put yourself here. If you're loving God with all your heart, you can't help but love your coworkers. You can't help but love your neighbors. It just naturally comes out of you. I don't care if you're not a people person or not. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. If you're loving God with all your heart, you can't help but love people. It's just going to come from you. Why? Because we need each other. It's the way we were designed to need each other. Well, let's go on with the story. It wasn't long after that Jesus ascended to heaven. The Bible says he was only on the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. That's no time. That's, that's like a month and 10 days. And, and then, y'all know it, the 120 are in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit falls upon them. In victory, the church exploded on the scene. And a beautiful community of Jesus lovers was birth that started doing life together. Now listen to me. This is very important, church. This was not an exclusive country club for members only. No, this was one big, organic, ever-growing family. Somebody say family. And they started popping up all over the place. Everybody was having fish and chips. All over the place in homes at, at, at church, this family, and they were spreading like wildfire, Aaron. They were spreading all over the place. And, of course, we're here today because of what happened in that upper room. I want to give you just a small picture. I would tell you to go read all of Acts 2. But look, the last few verses, Acts 2, right here on the screen, verses 46 and 47. They, who's they? The church, this new church. They worshiped together at the temple each day. That's like us here. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Say that word with me. And, and, and shared. That's that doing life. That's the communing that God wired in me and in Aaron and in all of us to do with each other. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while this was going on, they're praising God. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, now look at this. Here's the ever-growing, organic, big family still growing. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day they were growing. You know what family does? Because we're not a country club, family's always saying, come on, Johnsons. Come join us over here. Family is never just this exclusive group of people that has their backs to everybody. No, we are always, come over here, Aaron, you join me, all right? And so, oh, Chad's got a nice little, oh, all right, we'll talk about that tomorrow, all right? But family, you know what family does? Family makes room for one another. Hello, that's right. Family makes room for one another. We open our hearts to one another. Well, I don't know them. Open your hearts to one another. We have, we have a, literally from our body posture to our eyes, because we love Jesus so much and we love people, we don't want anybody to feel left out. Hello. 
Family's always inviting. Family's always open. Family's always welcome. That's the spirit of biblical community. That's the heart of family. Somebody say family. This community, this biblical community we're talking about. Listen, um, you may or may not be aware of this. Communities are like a really trendy word right now in the church world. If you go to a Christian bookstore or any bookstore, you'll find a lot of books right now on community. But, but guys, I believe that it's coming actually from a good place. I trends, come on, you know about trends. They're up and down and all around. They come and they go. But biblical community will always be around because it came from God, not man, right? And so, so here's the deal. It's, it's come from a good place. It might be trendy right now, but it's come from a good place. And, it's, and this is what I think it is. People are so sick and tired of all the bells and whistles. They're tired of the fake. They're tired of the plastic. They're tired of, of just all that stuff. You know, I'm thankful that we can do stuff like this, the lights and the, you know, all these different things, the smoke, all these kind of things, it's great. But just move it all aside. Guess what's left, people? And if all this was to go away, guess what will still be here? Guess what is only eternal? People. People. And so we move all those things aside. There's a longing in people. They're desperately searching for something genuine. They're, they're, they're searching for something real. Somebody say real. People are tired of the plastic. Hey, it's okay to, let me just say this to give somebody permission, not that you need it, but I'm going to say it. It's okay to come to church and not have a really great week. It's okay to come to church, and you don't have to put church face on. You can be yourself, and you can come in. Maybe you had a crummy week, but you can come before the Lord and let God lift your heart. But guess what? When we're each other and we're encouraging each other, your heart continues to get lifted. We're looking for community. People are looking for community. I got to say this. There's a lost and dying world out these doors that need real community. This is a local surrounding community. God placed this beautiful campus right here. He knew what he was doing. But there's people searching, actually, in all the wrong places. And so may they see us at work, at the grocery store, wherever, the coffee place, and say, man, there's something different about these people. I feel warm inside. I feel, I feel accepted. I feel loved. I feel like I want to be a part of that. Somebody say Family. The definition, as we drill down this, the definition of community is a group of people with common characteristics, right? It's, it's your same interests. You know, there's, there's mountain bike communities. And, and there's, uh, I remember as a youth pastor, I used to have this in one, one church in Texas. We had a huge skateboard community, all right? They just all, they just always together, not just the people in our youth ministry, but they just meet all over town. And, and I met somebody recently, he said, I'm in the chess community. I was like, all right, all right. There's all kinds of communities. You share that interest there. And, and that's, that would be you know, a thing that's enjoyable, but we're talking, really drilling down on what biblical community is. Come on, the commonality. I want, just thinking about us right here on the platform and, and everybody in this room, we're a very different group of people. Different stories, different journey, different skin color. We're, we're very different and diverse. But can I tell you, what is the common thread? What makes us all brothers and sisters a part of one big family? It's Jesus the King. He makes us family. So I don't need to make them be like me and vice versa. I accept them who they are. I love them the way they are. And we sharpen each other. We grow together. We rub shoulders together. And we become more like Jesus. 
What's the opposite? Isolation. This spirit of what I call individualism today that comes from a place of humanism. The epidemic that we see right now happening about loneliness. Let me just say it's about isolation. It is a trap of the evil one to get us over here and to pick us apart. Someone that's isolated, that the enemy will try to get you isolated, you can be easy picking, easy target for the enemy because the enemy knows we're stronger together. He wants to get you away. But God says, be with the brothers and sisters. Be with the family. He's saying, be family. Be community. I want to give you an awesome quote that came upon my desk this past week on community. It's from Howard Macy. He says this, biblical community is simply sharing. Somebody say sharing. You're hearing that word a lot there, some of the scriptures I read. A common life in Christ. It moves us beyond. Somebody say beyond. It's beyond that surface level, beyond that shallow. But look what he says. Beyond self-interested isolation of private lives and beyond the superficial social context that pass for Christian fellowship. Hey, Bob. Hey, Sue. Hey, hey. How you doing? I'm good. I'm favored. Highly blessed. Highly blessed. We can call that fellowship. And can I just tell you, that's just the beginning of having conversations. God wants us to go deeper. The biblical, and I'll, I'll just pause for a second. The reason a lot of people don't embrace full biblical and community is because they're afraid of going deeper. Because, let's be honest, we're afraid of being hurt. But let me say this in this quote. The biblical ideal of community challenges us. Come on. It challenges us instead to commit ourselves to do life together and to commit ourselves to be the people of God he's really called us to be. Amen? We're talking about being anchored to community. Big old family, a group of people, and friends that have a true love for Jesus and the things of God. Let me just, let me just pause and say this. You know, Jesus had, he had the 72, right, that he sat down in twos. Then he had the 12. We always hear about the 12. But he also had the three. You know what I'm talking about? Peter, James, and John. And did you notice as you read the Gospels, go, go read the Gospels if you don't know where to read in the Bible, start with John. But go in the Gospels. He would pull the three aside. They were not his favorites, but he was intimate with them in a way of conversation. Even so intimate, some of the things he said, I don't want you to tell the others until I rise from the dead. So you can see there was a level of closer community from the big number. Like this is the big number, right? This is, this is the, the body. This is our church. This is our, our beautiful family that is Victory Hamilton Mill. And then there's smaller settings. And then there's intimate friends, brothers and sisters that you can share your life with. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to share my life with everybody. But I'm going to share it with a few. Amen? few trusted friends. And so I want to just kind of, you know, make, make sure we get on the same page about this. Coming to church is so important. It's actually biblical. But here's the deal. Coming to church on a Sunday, it's entry level to biblical community. It's like just walking through the front door. We're so glad you're here. And this is such a beautiful family. And Lisa and I are honored to be with you guys and serve with you guys. This is a beautiful family. But on Sunday, it's entry level. We got to go deeper. And to go deeper, we got to do life together as a family. We grow. Here's the deal. You know, when you think about this, 
You don't do life with people in rows like this. You do it in small circles. We grow and do life in small circles of people. And it's always centered around the fire who is Jesus. Amen? We were, let me just speak a few things over us in this moment. We were designed by the great designer, the creator, to do life together. I need Aaron Williams in my life, and Aaron Williams needs me. We need each other, all of us. We were created for this companionship of helping each other. Listen, we were not created for isolation. It's not good for man in general to be alone. He wired us to do life with each other. God never intended any of us to live the Christian life alone. Amen? Oh, we need each other. And I know, listen, I know I've been there. You've been there. And guess what? We'll probably be there again. I know we've all been hurt. And if we'll be real, we probably were the agents of some pain ourselves. But here's what I know. God doesn't want us to stay hurt. And just because things didn't work out there doesn't mean things won't work out in the future. We gotta open our hearts to one another because we're better together. I'm gonna read a verse over you that we all know, and it's from Ecclesiastes. Maybe the Holy Spirit will highlight something to you here in this very familiar verse. Look at this. Two people are better off than one. Somebody say better. Two people are better. There it is. It's just plain and simple. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Pause for a moment. What if we all lived like this? to see each other succeed. What if I lived in a way I want to see Aaron succeed, I want to see the Johnsons succeed, I want to see the Prices succeed, and I'm last. What if we lived that way? The Bible tells in Philippians to put others' interests above our own. And can I tell you, when you put others before you, God's got you. We got to be a people, true people, the family of God. I know this is not easy. I know it's not easy. It's not easy for me in my flesh. But if I can put others, God first, and put others before me, God will take care of me. So helping each other succeed. Verse 10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Somebody say trouble. Verse 11, likewise, two people lying close together. We ain't going to do that, Aaron. So I, I love you. I love you too. But two people lying close together, can keep each other warm. You get the picture, though. Two, the fire burns. How are you doing? Man, I'm hurting. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. And you, be, you just leave that conversation after talking about the real things of life, and you both leave encouraged. Have, has anybody ever done this? You've had people in your home. Wherever. Co-worker in the parking lot. God tells you to minister to them. And you walk away from the conversation or they leave your couch and leave your house and you are ministering to them, but as they leave, all of a sudden you feel like you got ministered to. You know why? The Bible says he who refreshes others will find himself refreshed. When you encourage others and be real family, you will find yourself encouraged. The fire burning. That's how we're talking about staying warm. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. I love this picture. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, 
For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Jermaine, Aaron, y'all come here real quick. So you can see this in life. Let's go back to back. Triple stranded cord. All right, we're going to do the Charlie Angels thing. And just like, no, just kidding. Sorry. That's what it feels like in that moment. Just a, but a generation didn't know it and a whole bunch of people did. So listen, you know what family does? You don't stab each other in the back. You get each other's back. Real family, as imperfect as we are, I'm flawed, you're flawed, we're all flawed, but we, we, we stand strong with each other. I got Jermaine's back, I got Aaron's back, they got my back. We got each other's back as we follow the Lord together. That's what family does, amen? So, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, I wanna give you three things very quickly that community does. Three things that community does. Number one, community keeps you close to the fire. True community keeps you close to the fire. Just like I said, coffee, breakfast, in your home, in the parking lot, in our hallways. That's why we encourage you in the lobby. Please don't just bolt and leave. Linger if you can. I know, I know we have a lot of kids, so I get it. I get it. But linger. Linger in the kids' area. Linger around. Slow down in life. We miss these moments. You know, if, even if you're just rushing through, I don't know if you've ever been there, you, you're getting in line at the grocery store and someone gets right in front of you and they've got tons of groceries. You're like, no. There's been several times like, Lord, I got you here because I want you to talk to some people. We got to look up from our lives. We, we need each other. True companions, to my keeping close to the fire. True Christ, I'll say it like this, Christ companions. They keep each other burning strong for God. And they keep us sharp in the spirit. Somebody say sharp. That's what iron, sharpening iron. You know, you hear that a lot about men's stuff, but actually it's just a Bible thing. It's for men and women. Iron keeps others sharp. I want to read that verse over us. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person, come on, say it with me, sharpens another. To get someone sharpened, you need two people. You need each other. I'm going to sharpen iron. Aaron's going to sharpen me. And here's the deal. When iron is sharpening, you know what it creates? Sparks. It creates sparks in us. Like, oh, man, I needed to hear that today. Oh, thank you for praying for me. Oh, thank you so much for that encouraging text. I have found that sometimes when you just text someone and say, I'm praying for you, I mean, it lights up people's day. That's what family does. We sharpen each other. That's what happens when you get around biblical community. And let me just say this. Encouragement, this is what I've learned about encouragement. It is the wood to our fire. A kind, encouraging word will just set your heart ablaze. Encouragement is like wind to our sails. It just, it's just a fresh breath air. I want to encourage us <laughs> to be encouraging people. Man, let's be encouraging. If anything should come out of our mouth, come on, church. We are the church of the living God. The living God. We need to be an encouraging people. Encourage each other. Look for people to encourage. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let us think of ways. I love that wording there. Let us think of ways. So that means you're being proactive. I, I look at Chad. I work with him every day. I'm going to think of some ways to motivate him. Look at this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
and let us not neglect and meeting together. Now that can be you know, corporately, but that's also just being together. Church, let me just say this to us real quick. Don't let busyness get you so isolated that you can't be with the family. I've noticed this for me. I'll just tell myself, if I'm fighting discouragement, I can find myself wanting to fight it by myself. And I find myself going inside myself. That's not good. Number one, I need to tell my bride, yes, my best friend, but I need to tell some brothers and not worry that I got pastor in front of my name. Just a human being that fights battles like all of us. And I throw out a few texts to a few brothers, hey man, just been fighting some discouragement. And man, I love it. I love it when people come to me. Listen, you gotta hear this. Some, there'll be people, almost every, not every Sunday, but people come like, Pastor Chris, you seem tired today. You okay? And you know what? That takes guts, number one. But number two, I always say this, thank you so much. That means you care. Hey, you look down today. Are you okay? Now, let me just say this. Don't, don't, don't tell uh, the ladies the first thing when you go up to them, you look tired today. <laughs> Our ladies do not appreciate that, do we, sisters? No. I just called me a sister. I'm sorry. Do we, ladies? That's the worst thing you can say to a lady. First thing is, you just look so tired today. And they give that fake smile, but thanks. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, don't be afraid to go up to someone like, hey, man, you okay? I love it when the brothers do that to me. We got to be that way with each other. How about the coworker that doesn't know the Lord? That may not be easy to talk to. You go up to him, hey, how you doing? I'm okay. Well, what's going on? I mean, I'm not trying to get up in your grill and your business, but what's... Are you okay? You'd be, you'd be surprised. I, I'm not okay. Can we talk during the break in the staff kitchen? You never know. That verse there, I want to end it there. It's important. If we could go back to that Hebrews, it says this, that last part, because it's very important. It says, to encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is near. We got to build each other up, not tear each other down. We gotta build each other up. We gotta encourage each other, as I just read. We gotta pray for one another. Comfort each other when we're down. We gotta exhort one another. That word exhort is, is corrective, but it's loving. It's like a charge. Come on, man, you can do this. Come on, sister, you can do this. Come on, family, you got this. It's exhorting one another. We can bear each other's burdens. We can motivate one another. Can you hear the word another? Can you see how we need each other? We can sharpen one another. Listen, let me just say this to you. You are not enough to keep yourself warm. We got to get rid of this just me and Jesus mentality. We kind of do this in life, just kind of, all right, y'all good, y'all good. Just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. You got me and I got you, Jesus. It's just me and Jesus on this lonely road called life. No, no, that's not. Yes, Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. But he put in our DNA that we need each other. He designed us to need each other. We're called the body. How can one say to the other, I don't need you. We need each other. Listen again, an ember or a piece of wood by itself burn out pretty quickly. Put it with others and it gets brighter and stronger. Amen? Community keeps you close to the fire. Number two, community, it gets you. Somebody say gets you. Community gets you when you wander from the fire. When you wander from the fire, when you, what? Hey, would you, 
Go get him. That's right. Get back over here. No wandering. No wandering's allowed. There you go. There you go. There you go. Come on, family. You notice Pastor Chad was slowly. The actual definition of the word wander means to move slowly away from a fixed point or place. The Greek meaning of that word wander in the New Testament has a connotation of being deceived. So we got to be a people, then we see others wandering away. I don't know about this, but I sure would want you guys to come after me. Come on, somebody. Let's be real in the house. If, 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 I'm, if I start to wander, please come after me. If, that's for each other. Let's give each other permission. You find me wandering, come chase me down. Come get me. That's what family does. James 5, 19 and 20 says this. My dear brothers and sisters. So who's he talking to? The church. If someone among you, look at this wanders away from the truth, there you go, and is brought back. Somebody say brought back. You can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. We got to be a people that go get our brothers and sisters. Come on, we need some brothers and sisters who are willing to, did you notice what Jermaine did a while ago? What Jay did? He stepped away from the fire momentarily. Inconvenience. He stepped away from the warm fire to go get his brother and bring him back to the fire. We need some brothers and sisters who are willing to step away from the fire momentarily to go after those who are slowly wandering away. We can't make anyone do anything, but my goodness, they're worth the effort. Yes, it's going to be inconvenient. It might even be uh, a little uncomfortable, but people are worth it. You're worth it, church. You're worth it. Somebody needs to hear that. You are worth it. You are worth being pursued, number one, by Jesus, all the way to the cross. He did it for us and the resurrection, and we're worth pursuing each other. For the sake of people, you're worth it. Why? Because Jesus did it for me. If Jesus did it for me and he's the ultimate model, I'm going to do it for my brother. We're going to do it for each other. We're going to chase each other down if we have to. I'm, I'm tired of hearing this. Hey, where is such and such? I haven't seen them in a while. And if I, if I ever have like relational equity with that person, I'll be like, well, have you reached out to them? Oh, I, uh, well, I mean, they're gone. Well, I mean, do you know that? <laughs> Come on, church. Pray for people, yes. But send them a text. Send them a phone call. If you have to... Go to their front door. Hey, I'm coming in. I hadn't seen you in a while. Are you doing okay? Have coffee with them. Spend time with them. Love on them because they're worth, they're worth it. Amen? Luke 15. This is, again, Jesus, the ultimate model, right? If he did it for us, we do it for others. It says this. Jesus tells them this story. He says, if the man has 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? One sheep? I mean, what is one sheep, right? You got, you got 99 others. What does he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness? And right here, and go to search for the one that is lost? Come on. Until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together the friends and say, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. 
And church, we gotta be like that with others who are wandering away. We gotta be real friends. Somebody say friends. Some of y'all remember friends. How many of us have them? I ain't gonna even do the rest of it. But there was a hush, Jay. <laughs> but there was a there was a commercial in the '80s. Y'all remember it? Friends don't let friends drive drunk, right? Well, we need some friends that don't let friends be embarrassed in public. Hello, friends. Let me say it to you like this: Friends don't let friends walk around with food in their teeth. How many times have we all or have something on their face? And you're like, hey, excuse me for a second. You go to the bathroom, right? And you're like, oh my. There's a green thing of broccoli stuck between your two front teeth. And you're thinking, how come no one, would you tell me that, Aaron? You better. But, and if you feel, if you got good relational equity with people back at the table, like, hey guys, next time I go out, something's on my face. Lisa and I even do a nose check, nose check, nose check. Everything good? Everything clear? We good? All right, good. You know. We got we to help each other. Somebody say help each other. How about this? Friends don't let friends be alone for the holidays. I know some small group leaders that opened their homes on Thanksgiving. I know of two for sure. Because they found out that some of their small groups had no family around here. And so they had family time at the table together. That's awesome. That's family. Let's don't be so focused on ourselves, me and mine that we miss others. Friends don't let friends disappear from church. Again, you can't make anyone do anything, but they're worth the effort pursuing. Friends don't let friends get entangled in deception. You ever been in a conversation with someone, you got, you're close enough and they start saying something, you're like, oh my gosh, that's not Bible. And we're thinking to ourselves, I need to say something, I need to say something, I need to say something, and we don't ever say anything. A real friend in love speaks up. Yo, Aaron, I love you with all my heart, but what you just said, bro, that ain't Bible. And it's going to take you down a bad, painful road. And it's, I'm going to do it in a loving way. I'm going to do it in an honoring way, but I would want him to do it for me. Friends don't let friends get deceived. And we'll end on this. Friends don't let friends go to hell. Now, again, we can't make anyone but we sure can make it really hard for our friends to go to hell. Amen? So here's my question before we go to number three and close out. Who are the people in your life that will come alongside you and get you if you start wandering from the fire? And let me ask this. Let's make it personal. Are you that person? Will you go get somebody and bring them to the fire? Finally, number three, Community, y'all still with me? Community keeps inviting others to the fire. Mandy, come on over here. Because here's the deal. Family is always inclusive, not exclusive. Get what I'm saying? Family, and guess what? I'll give up my seat. It might be an inconvenient. These old 51-year-old knees, it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm trying to show you a point. When family is growing, it might be a little uncomfortable and inconvenient, but I'll gladly give up my seat for someone else. Open my heart to them. Not just me and mine or us four no more. Family includes everyone. 
Again, Jesus had the 72, the 12, the three, but he was always inviting others to the fire or to the table. Think about Nicodemus, met him in the middle of the night because Nicodemus was too scared to be seen in public. Think about the woman at the well. And one of my favorites, Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. And think about this. He was up in that tree. And what did Jesus do? He came up to Zacchaeus in the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, come on down here, man. I'm coming to your house for dinner. And his whole family got saved. Jesus was always including even the wretched tax collector. But here's what we've noticed. A lot of people won't come to the fire unless they're invited. So I gotta be a person that invites the sister, that invites people. Hey, come with me. Come with me. Hey, I wanna invite you to this. Into your home, to church, into your lives. And hey, I wanna say this real quick, especially to those who have been at Victory for a long time, which is awesome. I've met so many of you guys. But let me just say this. I know some of you have been here for a long time. You have a lot of dear friendships, and I thank God for that. But don't let your dear friendships become a clique that never lets others in. Real family is always inclusive and inviting others to be a part of the family. Amen? I've noticed that everywhere. And we gotta be a people that are always inviting. Why? Because Jesus invited me. He made a seat for me. How dare I not make room for others? Do, do we only talk to our friends, quote unquote, when we come to church? That can't be us at Victory Hamilton Mill. Why? Because we're the family of God. If people don't feel family here, where will they? So here's my question. Are you, are we, am I willing to create more room for others to join the fire? Yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be un inconvenient. But people are so worth it. How about this? Let's make it a prayer. Lord, help me love people the way you love me. Come on, we are forgiven people. We are a loved much people, hello. And he wants us to extend that to others. I just give this to you, just some thoughts, some, just some practical thoughts as we get ready to close and pray. How do, you, how do you do this? Because it'd be wrong for me not to give you the how. Just very quickly, let me just say this. Introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. At work, at church, what if we all did this? What if we made a goal to meet someone new each week? And there's people in their mind, dear God, no. But someone met you, and someone met you. I love it. I hear it more than anything else. We come here because we feel there's this family. I've had people, I'm thinking of a family that's going to be in the 1 p.m. service next. They're always in the 1 p.m. And for the first month, they cried every Sunday. He said, I've never felt this in my life. The love of God, the presence of God, and the people are so loving. I was like, come on, Jesus. Another way to do it is just slow down. Somebody say slow down. Linger in the hallways. Linger in the, at your, your kitchen at, at work. Linger, take time to build relationships. This right side over here, 
I love you guys. Recently, the last month, Lisa and I were over here just because we never were always at these doors. Man, the people on the right side, no matter what service, they are bolting for the cars. I'm like, right side, strong side, slow down. But can I say, all of us, we all need to slow down. I'm not picking on you guys. I love you. You're family. Let's slow down. For, for many of us here, 99% of us, we only see each other for 90 minutes once a week. Invite people over for the holidays, like I said. Host a small group. Or be a part of a small group. Well, I was in a small group and it disintegrated. No, 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 no. Give it another chance. Those start back in January. We need each other. But the bigger picture is being family. Somebody say family. As we get ready to pray, here's my question to us today. Are we willing to create space where people can get anchored to Jesus? Let's pray. Thank you, family. Here's my question to us as we pray. Where are you when it comes to being around the fire? Are you wandering today? Are you here and you're wandering if you're honest? You feel like your fire is going out? Fire is not a feeling. Fire is a decision of pursuing the Lord. You pursue the Lord, there's gonna be a fire there. He is our fire. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for each and every person here and those who are watching us online. I pray for those in the room, God, and it can happen to any of us if we're not careful, who feel themselves wandering away, drifting away from you and your people. God, would you bring them back to you in Jesus' name? Back to the fire of our first love, who is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so God, we come back to you today in this moment. Forgive us, God, for doing our own things. Forgive us for listening to the lies of isolation and independence and individualism, God. Lord, we open our hearts to one another and most importantly, to you. Help us, God. Walk this thing out called family, community, one with another. Lord, with you as our leader, we will follow the way that you made us to be one with another. Help us, God, to have a first love for you and to open our hearts to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Thank you, family. That was a powerful message. I got to tell you.